Hello there, I'm Gretchen Miller, and this episode of the Rescue Project podcast is on animals. Rescue is a citizen storytelling collaboration that aims to share lived experiences of restoring landscapes, of healing creatures, or just picking up some rubbish to help recovery and rejuvenation. The stories dive deep into the psychological impacts of doing this work. What does it mean in the shadow of climate disruption? Rescue is a partnership with Landcare Australia, the University of New South Wales and me, and it's long been a passion of mine to bring voices that might otherwise remain unheard to the fore. I want to share people's acts of kindness towards the natural environment, personal experiences which are entirely unique, but also archetypal in that they reflect a human desire to connect with the world and take action for good. I hope they inspire you to take your own small actions or provide some encouragement when you're feeling doubt, but also to get you thinking strategically about larger democratic choices. In On Animals, three short stories capture deep interactions between humans and other creatures. We spend some time at a wombat rehabilitation centre. We hear about how a joey helped heal a family and a community after unimaginable loss. And we encounter a southern giant petrel. But first up, let's travel to the green and beautiful Kangaroo Valley in New South Wales, Australia. Here I was lucky to meet Lynn O'Byrne and her wombat charges in person. We recorded her story and then visited the care wombats, scratching and eating and snuffling about. I loved the way they do everything in short bursts, whether it's galloping like a miniature tank and then suddenly stopping, or gobbling grass. They crunch, 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 and then they just stop. Lynn is constantly on the go, caring for her wombat friends, and as a result of her attention, there are quite often happy endings to their stories. And this is Mudsy's story. When wombats are very young and taken into care, they fight you, knowing life is different from being with their mum. Come on, girls. For around two weeks, they growl, attempt to bite lunge and fight you all the way when trying to feed them. Come on, Ali. But after two weeks, it's like a switch. The fighting stops, they look straight into your eyes and you can feel them scrutinising you. Then this look in their eyes that says, oh, so you're my mum now. And after this, they feed, snuggle up and are so committed to you with their love, wanting to be with you at whatever cost. The transition of love is very visible. Mudsy came into care on November the 24th, 2014. She had spent all night in her mother's pouch under a thick soup of clay. Her mother had been kicked in the head by a horse during the night and had attempted to return to her burrow, which was situated in the side of a dam on a property. The weather had been awful and torrential rain had been constant for days, leaving a boggy clay soup leading up to her burrow. Weakened from her head injury, she frantically tried to get to the entrance, but kept slipping down into the clay. Finally digging herself under the mud and exhausted, ceased to try. 
the following morning the property owner found just her front half visible and called Wildlife Rescue South Coast to rescue her. After assessing the wombat, she was pulled free from the thick clay, barely alive. It was sadly not possible for her to survive her head injury and she was euthanized. On turning her over, amazingly, in her pouch was a small joey, completely covered in mud. The mud was filling the pouch she was hidden in and was inside her nose and mouth, so we did not expect her to have survived. But on removing her, she was alive. She was washed, dried and named Mudsy. She weighed 1.5 kilograms. Mudsy was immediately transferred to me as a regional wildlife rescue South Coast Wombat Coordinator and the owner of the Wisdom Wombat Refuge for ongoing care until her release. Mudsy made great progress during her 18 months with the refuge in Kangaroo Valley, New South Wales. In quiet moments, especially when the care wombats are all gathered around together, chomping and munching on the grass, it is amazingly soothing and the steady noise and their contentment brings enormous peace. I often sit when troubled or upset and find they give me strength. I have three helpers, all from different walks of life, aged from 50 to 70 years, and all say they love to sit with them and listen to the meeting and how very restful it makes them feel. Whilst growing up with her new friends Tilly and Rosie, Mudsy became a beautiful pale grey adolescent wombat and has been a source of amusement and fun to care for and raise. She has oodles of personality and despite her sad beginning has always been affectionate, playful and happy. Mudsy was released into the wild on the 27th of April weighing 24 kilograms onto a beautiful private property which has a soft release system. This allows Mudsy to live under human protection within a burrow but having the freedom to leave it and explore her new home. She can return to the safety of this burrow until she has established her geographic memory of her new territory left her scats for the locals to get used to and eventually dig herself a burrow out in the property where she will reside as a wild wombat. It is common for these wild wombats to remain on the chosen property and reproduce, often arriving back to the property owner to display their own joeys before returning back to the wild. In November 2018, Mudsy came back with her own first little male joey in tow. We named him Smokey, a wonderful outcome from a tragic start to her life. It's quite hard to rehouse wombats, so if you know a large property owner, why not suggest they take on one of Lino Burns' care animals? To Dorothy Henderson now, Dodie to her friends. At Dorothy's farm, a joey kept the family's feet on the ground after a tragedy. Dorothy recorded this story with her daughter, Rosie. I grew up on a farm in the Wheatbelt region of Western Australia, having moved there with my Scottish family when they swapped buttercup-dotted pastures in England for Naples yellow stubbles and eucalypts with salmon-pink flesh. Our lives were always dominated by animals. The sheep we ran on the farm, the dogs, cats, hens and the rescued critters that seemed to be a relatively constant presence in our lives. Joey's like Skippy, a mopoke called Wall, 
and the other birds of various species. Our parents were animal people and they simply could not abandon any living thing while it had the will to live. This tendency to collect waifs, strays and those on their last legs has transcended generations and our own children now share their lives with an assortment of animals and we have grieved over those that have died despite our best efforts and shared the joy of saving some that would have otherwise perished. The time-consuming process of hand-raising a joey only to lose it to pneumonia or botulism or dogs. It is tragic, but an experience that cements in children the qualities of compassion and responsibility. Last year, our daughter Alexandra found a kangaroo tangled in a fence on the property she was working on. She freed it, but it died, leaving Alexandra with the responsibility of caring for the orphan Joey in her pouch. Some of the last messages I have on my phone are from Alexandra as she took on responsibility for the Joey. Reminders prompted me to feed it while she was at work. A week after she rescued the Joey, Alexandra died in an on-farm accident. We were shattered, but as we tried to grapple with the reality of what had happened, there was the Joey, still needing to be fed, still needing to be cleaned and kept warm. It sat with us in hospital in its insulated bag, being nursed by friends and family as they shared our grief and gave us strength. It made us think about the basics of life, fresh milk, lukewarm water, and when the time came for us to say goodbye to Ali and celebrate her life with her many friends, there was a posse of grieving youngsters who took on the role of Joey Care, freeing us to care for those who were caring for us. That little Joey kept us sane when the world was crazy, providing a grounding link to the child who loved it. It survived for long enough for the guests to go and the house to return to some form of normality. And then, one Monday morning, it was dead, curled up in its pouch, looking happy but cold and lifeless. It happens, but we wish it hadn't. Since that Monday, we don't have Mondays anymore. On the side of our fridge, a grieving child wrote, Monday is a Sunday, Sunday is a Saturday. Got it? We haven't had a rescue Joey since, but will we take one on again if we have to? Of course we will. That is the way life is. Our grateful thanks to Dorothy Henderson for sharing her family's story and all the best to her as she continues her journey to take climate action as a farmer and as a communicator. Every aspect of June Laplace's voice tells you she's lived a life in the service of animal care. She's a bit of a local legend in Port Macquarie in New South Wales. And one day she was lucky enough to make the acquaintance of a very unusual bird for this part of the world. This is Dodo and June's story. I've always looked after wildlife. My dad was a bushman, but before he went to war, he was a certified horticulturist. As a World War I veteran, when he came back, he looked for work, but it was hard to find. He travelled up and down the coast over 22 years, often living in the bush and taking odd jobs. When he settled in Nambucca Heads, he married my mum and weekends we went out in the bush looking for spiders, orchids, native flowers and other little creatures and he often took animals home that were injured. He saw what other people didn't see and I adored him. 
I still find it amazing that you can put in the tiniest of seeds and it just blossoms up into this beautiful tree of some sort and then along come the creatures that are dependent on that kind of tree. It's hugely satisfying. It's the same with Dodo, who was a really special bird. So early in December 2018, Fauna, which is the Mid-North Coast New South Wales Coast Licensed Wildlife Rescue Hotline, was called about an albatross sitting on a rock at Lake Cadai Surf Beach, a beach where there are often lots of dogs out with their owners. A walker recognised this bird was in trouble and he stayed to protect it from the dogs. It was a busy holiday time and this most unusual bird and its rescuers attracted much interest from bystanders. When the fauna rescue arrived, together they managed to catch the bird. It was unable to fly, but pretty fast on its feet. It turned out the bird was starving, dehydrated and exhausted and a long way from home. So it was brought to me. It weighed 3.5 kilos and it was a southern giant petrel, probably six to seven years old. An adult would have mottled head feathering and ash grey neck feathers, but this one, an immature bird, dark in colour all over. Giant petrels are a bit like an albatross, but they have an unusual tube-nosed bill and hunchbacked appearance. Of the two giant petrel species, one breeds and feeds on the northern part of the Antarctic Convergence and the other on the south. We weren't sure if it was a male or female, but we thought of it as him. We called him Dodo, and he walked just like Donald Duck. He just learnt the game so quickly. He knew when I was coming with the food bin, and I'd throw a sardine up in the air, and he'd catch it and spin it round so it was head first. He had mullet offal for lunch and fresh whole mullet pieces mid-afternoon. The thing with these big guys is that they don't know any fear of humans because they haven't had the bad luck of experiencing what humans normally do. So once they've settled down after a couple of days, the trust is there. He could have taken my fingers off, but he never did. He will come over with his wings up to greet me. The intelligence of them is a thing that amazes me. There are a lot of burials too, but that's what we do. Everything we pick up is sick. That's why we pick it up. So when you get a win with something like Dodo, who is so far from home, it's pretty good. After a week, Dodo became verbal, flapping his wings. It was nearly time to go home to the oceans. The good folk at Fisheries New South Wales agreed to take Dodo out to sea on the 12th of December to the Cod Grounds Marine Park east of Loriton, not far from where he was found needing help ten days earlier. We set up his box with lots of air holes and foam for his feet. When they got there, he came to his door, had a look, went back into the box and ate all the sardines I'd packed for him. Then he walked out and flew. We really hope he continues his journey south back to the natural breeding and feeding grounds in the Antarctic. I won't forget Dodo. Making eye contact with him was just wonderful. It's just like when I plant some seeds and then a tree grows and suddenly I get this burst of beautiful flowers. It's that same inner contentment that you can't buy and no one can give to you.
Dad and I used to ride out on old push bikes, go bush as far as we could ride. And I used to look up at his crippled up body and what he could do with it. He'd learnt that's where peace is, and I have the same philosophy. That is where the peace is. Thanks to Fisheries New South Wales help and the Port Macquarie Fresh Seafoods who provided fresh mullet offal daily. It was a collaborative effort to help this beautiful pelagic bird. And June Lepla earned an Order of Australia for her care for the natural world. The Rescue Project is produced and presented by me, Gretchen Miller, with sound engineering by Judy Rapley. And special thanks to the University of New South Wales and Landcare Australia and to all the storytellers who've taken part. And if you'd like to read more of these beautiful stories or have one to share yourself, go to landcareaustralia.com.au slash rescue. And there's also a link in our show notes. We'd love to hear from you. Check out our other episodes on home ground, on history, art and loving a tree, and on the Atherton Tablelands, where we take a longer look at what a remarkable community is doing. I'll see you next time. The Climactic Collective. This show is produced by Hear Media, a boutique audio agency in Narm, Melbourne. To learn more and get in touch, head to hearmedia.studio. That's H E R E media.studio. Studio.